0: everyone to how to self-therapize. Today, um, as always, I'm joined by the lovely Dr. Miller. (laughs) Welcome back, Dr. Miller.
1: Thank you, Rebecca.
0: (laughs) And today, for the first time ever, we have a guest who is live in the clinic with us. We have Dr. Robin Grobler here. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Grobler. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. It's very exciting. We're going to talk about um, IFS, which is Internal Family Systems, and be talking about trauma-focused practice as well. So we're super excited to have you. Would you mind giving us a bit of an introduction into your professional journey and how you got to where you are today, based in Victoria?
2: Awesome. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I am a, I'm a family physician, in fact, um, and just noticed in my, my work in general family medicine, how much mental health, I was encountering, or mental health concerns I was encountering, and, and in fact, how many of those were manifesting as physical issues. Um, I did my training in and my, my qualification in South Africa, which is where I'm from, and um, during my internship I ran a little depression clinic in the community clinic that I was working in, but resources there are really just very, very scarce, so um, it wasn't a very heartening journey. Um, when I came to Canada, I was just, again, just noticing the need for some mental health support uh, within the family medicine sector Um, and fortunately the the situation exists that family doctors in Canada can work as psychotherapists with some training Um, and so I've gradually just migrated my practice more and more to focus on mental health Um, the advantage being I can also prescribe medications and I have some understanding around the pharmacology of things Mm -hmm. Uh, so that is now where my practice primarily um, exists within the mental health space and you know going into that more deeply has been amazing in terms of discovering all the modalities one can use uh, to assist people with their healing and i started with the the more traditional kind of cbt and dbt modalities Mm -hmm. um but realizing how much trauma there is that people are experiencing um i kind of dove into to the specialties that help with that. So Mm -hmm. I I did some EMDR training as well. Um, However, IFS came to me through a couple of workshops through the the MD uh, Psychotherapy Association of Canada. And um, I just fell in love with the the IFS model. And so I've, I've started to integrate that as kind of the big framework around the work. We tie in EMDR as well, and other other kind of modalities that can can piece together. But it's a really beautiful model to to approach a person as as a whole um, with compassion
0: and love. Mm-hmm. You don't hear a lot about MDs transitioning to a place of psychotherapy within practice, so that's great that you saw the need and then made that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, In today's episode, I really wanted to let uh, our listeners get some insight into the modalities that you actually just touched on. So, of course, there is DBT, which stands for Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. Uh, This really focuses on a balance between acceptance and change. And then there's CBT, another one you touched on, uh, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy that's used to Help people change kind of negative and unhelpful thinking and behavioral patterns um, to more healthy ones and then the one that you inform your practice most with I think at the current time would be um, IFS which I don't think is usually as talked about I think in practice um, so I, like I mentioned it's internal family systems therapy can you kind of introduce this model for people who aren't familiar with it what it's about and how you integrate it into your practice as your chosen mode of intervention?
2: Sure absolutely
0: mm-hmm. um, and I,
2: I certainly don't do as good a job of explaining it as um, its creator Dick Schwartz um, but essentially all of us use the language of, of parts all the time you know on, on any given day there's a part of me that really wants to go to the gym and knows I'll feel great if I go and exercise and a part of me that just wants to go home and you know open up a bag of pretzels <laughs> um, and Often the fact that there's these different parts within us and that they can be fairly polarized in their intentions, their feelings, their behaviors, it can create quite an internal battle uh, or war inside um, so the the theory is that we're all you know a sum of our parts, but in fact greater than that because we have all these parts, but at the core of those parts is what we call the self and that self capital s and that is I'll refer to it as an energy. It's a loving, compassionate, healing energy that all of us possess. We don't need to cultivate it. We don't need to grow it. It's there, but often it has been covered up by our parts, which at some point take over and lead because they think that they have to. Mm. And they often are pushed into those roles and positions by certain traumatic experiences that we have or difficulties that we face in life. Um, So the IFS process is about number one identifying those different parts, and in doing so that I have a sad part, I have an anxious part, I'm separating it from I am sad, I am anxious, and even just that separation gives a little bit of assistance to people in realizing this isn't the whole of me, but just a part of me, Mm -hmm. and being able to then kind of look at that from a more external perspective rather than being consumed by it, it can make those particular emotions or challenges more manageable. And also, as we separate from the parts and hopefully help them to relax and soften their energy, that self energy can emerge. And if that self energy is is what we lead with in life, curiosity, compassion, calmness, uh, courage, connectedness. Uh, I always forget all the eight C's when (laughs) I try to actually name them. (laughs) But if we can if we can lead with self and in fact that we talk about being Mm self-led, just things are likely to go better for us in in terms of our interpersonal relationships and our own kind of sense of peace and mental health. and, and then our parts can be more behind us and be helpful mm-hmm. assistance rather than, you know, the leaders and, and at the helm mm-hmm. of the ship. Because when I'm leading with my angry part or my anxious part, I'm often being fairly reactive and, you know, that anxious part might be fairly trapped in time in a much younger younger time and so it's not the adult that i am now Mm -hmm. so when we talk about the goals of ifs it's you know separating from parts offering them love and compassion to help them to soften and hopefully letting that self emerge
0: and and lead Mm -hmm. and in naming those parts i imagine it gives people kind of a self of autonomy and control over maybe the inner critic that might exist. So when you tell yourself you can't mm-hmm. do anything right, or you're doing mm-hmm. everything wrong, or you you know don't deserve this or that, in mm-hmm. naming those parts, it can kind of segregate that from being a part of your identity, maybe, and just mm-hmm. being kind of not the whole identity, but yes. just a piece of it. Yes, mm-hmm.
2: and it's it's interesting you mention that because I would argue that most people have a self-critical part. Mm-hmm. So we 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 kind of work with that critic part all the time, mm-hmm. and the. CBT clashes, in fact, a little bit with IFS because CBT is about how do we question it, interrogate it and, and force it to change its mind. Um, and I mean, I still think there's, there's a lot of helpful stuff that comes from challenging negative thoughts and examining, you know, um, distorted thought patterns. But in IFS, the approach is not to, not to try to force it to change, mm-hmm. but rather to ask what its intention is and what it's trying to do. And when we understand that, the the compassion becomes more available to us it softens in of itself Mm -hmm. and and then we can work together as in self and the part Mm -hmm. rather than telling it shut up sit down go away Mm -hmm. because i I sometimes say parts can be a little bit like a a a, a needy child who's pulling at your skirt and going like pay (laughs) attention to me pay attention to me and if i keep swatting that 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 needy child away and saying leave me alone shut up the child doesn't doesn't shut up because it it has something that it needs or something Mm -hmm. that it's trying to do if I turn to the child and go what do you need what do you want from me what are you trying to do yeah that kid can relax Mm -hmm. and pull
0: back and as opposed to dbt being kind of this place of acceptance for maybe those parts Mm -hmm. it sounds like ifs is more curiosity of those Mm. parts and leaning into them and figuring out what they want would you say there's kind of a relation to the parts and maybe the inner child and trauma that's been faced in childhood? Enormously so, yes. So there's kind of three names that we give to parts
2: in IFS. Um, one is one is uh, two two sets of protectors, and one is uh, the exiles. Mm. So exiles are often a part of us that that was pushed away into exile as a result of of a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. So the protectors in our system tend to stand in front of and protect the exile so for example if i'm if i feel very insecure or perhaps i perhaps i have disordered eating And my exile is, you know, being really body shamed perhaps when I, when I hit puberty. So that's my exile, right? And anything that comes up that's going to make me feel a little bad about my body is going to trigger the exile. So my protective parts will really try to not let that exile be triggered. So if someone makes a comment about something I'm eating, my protective part kind of rears up and goes, gets angry or gets confrontational because it's trying to keep that, that exile from being triggered. Now, if if my protective part can't can't manage to, to keep the trigger away and, and that exhale is triggered, then another part comes up which is what we call a firefighter. Mm. And those are the wound is triggered, it everything's on fire. Make the pain go away, let me find comfort, let me find numbing. And Often firefighters are a little bit more extreme in their behavior, and um, that's where we see a lot of addic- addictive kind of behavior. And that doesn't only mean substances. That mm-hmm. can be I'm going to go and scroll, you know, compulsively on my social media. I'm going to shop. I'm going to have sex. I'm going to, um, you know, play video games, for example. So uh, the classification of the parts is not really important, uh, but it can be helpful to understand that structure in terms mm-hmm. of who's playing what role mm-hmm. and the idea is if we can go and heal the exile and the burden that it's carrying well now the protectors the firefighters they can relax because mm-hmm. there's not
0: that they're not so aggressively trying to protect that wound from being triggered mm-hmm. it sounds like the firefighter is related to yeah the impulsive behaviors that mm. you bring up and kind of a coping in a way that brings immediate gratification and immediate kind of Calm Relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Relief, exactly. And they're re- very reactive as, as opposed to the protectors, which tend to be more proactive, mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to let you get close to this. Right. Yeah, and I even have in my notes here for the protective parts that their job is to protect the vulnerable parts of you. Yes. So these emotion- high emotional and negative beliefs and states yeah. Yeah. Um, and protect us from, from being flooded by that pain and from that the vulnerable vulnerable parts hold. So the firefighters, I assume, are like just the most immediate response or reaction to them. Yeah, their their wound is triggered, make it go away, Right. and protectors,
2: and in fact, I mean, a a self-critic can fall into either category, but tends to be more of the protector, because if I can be super vigilant about things, or if I can criticize myself to eat better and exercise, well then my vulnerable part, which is one that feels really bad about my body, doesn't
0: get triggered. Mm -hmm. Dr. Miller, from a trauma-focused perspective, because of course um, a lot of your practice is trauma-based and trauma-informed, um, IFS has this focus on enhancing uh, the ability to attend to difficult and distressing traumatic experiences from a place of being mindful and maybe more importantly uh, from a place of self-compassion. So how important is the role of self-compassion for victims of trauma when it comes to be able to tolerate and be with these um, traumatic experiences and creating a space to tolerate and process them
1: Mm -hmm. well i was just fascinated first i have to say listening to both of you talk and i was just like in my mind you know processing through wow this is such a trauma focused framework Mm -hmm really to create that safety so we can better understand the parts of ourselves that are there based on, you know, wounds that we are carrying and how to bring compassion. And what is compassion? It's the acceptance of self. It's that love that I heard Dr. Grabler talking about that we are born with, right? And through a series of our, you know, life experiences across the lifespan, we begin to carry these wounds. And then these parts of self begin to develop to, you know, hold some of the burden and fight through, right? The world that doesn't seem safe. And it's just a way of trying to have some control a lot of the time. Versus that self-compassion is just to take that deep breath within self and to hold space for those parts. And then to be compassionate and bring those parts in, right? To our awareness and not to judge them, to integrate understand that curiosity you talked about it was sort of like a breath of fresh air when I was listening to you speak about it Mm -hmm. Dr. Grabler I was like ah Mm because I'm not a full practitioner of that framework but I've heard you talk about it and I've thought about you know I've read some of the material material and just thinking it made sense to me but as I was listening to the two of you talk it just made Kind of that deeper understanding and awareness that it fits so well within a trauma-focused care right approach. Hmm. Yes, that's great. Thank you. And I was going to say, even the
0: research around trauma points to self-compassion itself being a trait to mediate the association between, specifically, childhood trauma exposure and then the PTSD symptoms that can kind of come up afterward. Um, which is so powerful because I think. Self-compassion as a protective factor is something that exists in everyone. Like you said, it's like rooted in everyone, yes. yet it's not always so intuitive to tap into that when you're healing and processing um, trauma, but it seems to be part of the answer to that healing is actually within us. and a lot of the time it can be easy to present compassion for others going through really difficult times but maybe not yourself. To speak to Dr Miller's point about everyone is born with that and that's why you know the theory
2: is that self is within all of us right it's not something I don't need to plant it within you or or necessarily cultivate it but I do I need I do need to try to help your protectors your critic the the, the part of you that feels ashamed etc etc I need to help those to step back so that that self-compassion can emerge.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dr. Miller, just another question for you. Um, survivors of trauma often show a lot of self-blame and shame when it comes to the traumatic experiences that they go to. Where does that come from? And then it seems like compassion is kind of on the other side of the spectrum to that and, and the protective factor to counteract it. So how can people begin to kind of shift to a place of compassion, from a p- place of shame that
1: they've felt as a victim and, and guilt. Mm-hmm. Well, shame such a big emotion and actually as a topic, it's a difficult topic to talk about because if we think about it in a general sense, you know, our society as a whole doesn't necessarily support vulnerability that well i mean we're driven to try and take control and dominate and so many things that you know to be strong and to Prevail and all of this and it's like that vulnerability when there is something inside of you that you're feeling you know not as strong and and or you're feeling some shame about there isn't this great shame space that we can all enter into and be safe and you know it's just like a space there that would be available to us so you're trying to find spaces or someone offers it to you And at first we may reject that, those parts of self may reject that, right? And then we have some kind of narrative going that, you know, only people that aren't strong go to therapy or something like that. And so then we are using that critic or that critic becomes, you know, activated. And it can be in a therapeutic relationship that that person that you're working with creates the space with compassion, invites you Mm -hmm. into compassion for that critic and allowing some of that vulnerability to come through, right? So the critic doesn't have to work so hard.
0: Right. That's such an interesting point. Like I had a bit of a light bulb moment there that it, it seems to make sense that you want to have a space to feel, of course, compassion and to feel the hard emotions like shame and guilt. But when you sit with those emotions, it can be extremely uncomfortable and unpleasant. So doing that alone takes a lot of courage and and work and effort. So when you're kind of facilitated and mediated by a therapist to help you know that it's okay to feel those things and create that safe space for and with you, it can be a lot more kind of, not easier isn't the word, but it sa- feels safer, safer I suppose. Yes. Mm-hmm. And supported. Yeah. Yes.
2: And if I can just add to that, mm-hmm. you know, in that, in that IFS model, um, our parts are often at war with each other, right, because they're they're kind of like kids in an argument and there's no adult around to intervene. So now the shame is here and now another another part shows up that hates the shame and come on, stop being so hard on yourself and then the critic. So just they're all in a bun fight. And if if the presence of self is there, they can go, OK, hey, guys, let's go one at a time here. And to some degree in the beginning stages of IFS, a person has little to no access to that self because mm-hmm. their parts have been leading for so long, mm-hmm. and so we act, They actually a person draws on the therapist's mm-hmm. self or self energy to help t- to hold that space and to go. Okay, one at a time. We're going to focus on the critic right now. So the part that hates the critic, etc. Can you just pull back your energy? So it, it, it's a it's a facilitation piece, um, exactly as Patricia
0: was mm-hmm. saying. And I find it really interesting that you refer to the parts. you're making these analogies as them as children and it reminds me of this TikTok trend silly enough um, where people kind of go um, whenever you you say something kind of mean or rude to yourself when you when you're really critical about yourself remember that you're talking about and then they show a picture of them as a child so it's really reverting to the vulnerability and and the compassion that people mm-hmm. give children and you were once that child right so it's like That's reverting true. to remembering that that child is still a part of you and you are still, still that child you, yeah. yeah it can maybe help to kind of instill that compassion for yourself yes. again Definitely, dr. Grabler. when you first introduced me to IFS that was only this weekend <laughs> um, kind of the components of it you talked about this idea and you mentioned it earlier today mm-hmm. Um, that there's parts, and then there's the self with mm-hmm. a capital S. Mm-hmm. What's the significance of the capital S, yes. and how can this mindset help to shift people to that place of self compassion we're talking about?
2: So that's a a good question because I'm not quite sure why he capitalizes self. It might just be to make a distinction between when I say my myself, one word, and mm. my space self. I see. Uh, but it's also just a term that we give, right, mm-hmm. to whatever that energy is inside of us that we all possess, that that has the capacity to be curious, to be courageous, to be connected, to hold compassion for ourselves and for others. Um, and again, as I've said, like it's just it's not something that we need to manufacture, mm-hmm. but often we do need to uncover it. Um, and in terms of shifting people into a place of self-compassion, well again because you don't need to cultivate it what what we want to do is really just to peel back the layers of the parts mm-hmm. and the self compassion pops out and uh, i realize this, this can sound a little bit strange when, when, when we're talking about it in theory. So often one needs to just experience it to, to, to understand. But when, when I have someone in an IFS session and I say, OK, so the critic is the one we want to work on today. And we do a series of things to kind of flesh that out. So where are you feeling it in your body? And is there an image that's coming up for you? Maybe it's a voice in your head. OK, so now focus on that part. How do you feel toward that part? And if what comes up is well i'm irritated i want to get rid of it it annoys me it frustrates me okay that's another part that's coming up let's ask that frustrated part to step back to pull back wait in the waiting room pull back its energy okay is it willing to do that yes if so okay how do you feel towards it now and i i would argue nine times out of ten when we access a little bit of self-energy compassion is what comes through Mm -hmm. first sometimes it's curiosity sometimes it's the other eight c's Mm -hmm. but i find generally there's compassion because they suddenly go okay well i'm seeing this very worried self-critic and i actually feel i feel kind of sorry for it or Mm -hmm. i feel like i'd like to hear its story Mm
0: -hmm. initially i had thought that this capital s had to do with Putting emphasis on the self and having that self be in the driver's seat so giving it that capital just like emphasized its importance but and that could well be
2: the case <laughs> I, I forget now why Maybe we're just towards, uh, it it.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, i actually participated in an ifs meditation guided by dr grabo this weekend and i was kind of uh, journaling and reflecting on the significance of the self and i was thinking Um, That the conclusions I drew based on on that experience and based on what the group was sharing afterward Was this idea that we need to trust in the self that the self just already possesses these resilient qualities that we need Mm -hmm. To battle the negative thoughts and the negative beliefs Mm -hmm. and that the self can really help us to quiet down those parts and put um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, when we're in these vulnerable and distressing states so we can harness that self to create space from the less desirable parts um, yeah, that and that we're not all bad, there's also good. It's not just a, a whole cohesive unit. It's mm-hmm. segregated into these little parts. Yes. Um, would you say that's kind of an accurate interpretation of what the group was sharing as well?
2: Absolutely, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. And, you know, just to speak to your last point, that uh, the, the most recent book Richard Schwartz wrote is called No Bad Parts, because the theory is that none of our parts are bad. They sometimes have some less than desirable behavior that mm-hmm. they kind of manifest. But all of them have a positive intention, be that to protect us, to keep us safe, to keep us feeling loved, et cetera, et cetera. And, and if, if we go with that view, that's a very loving way to approach, you know, I, I want to say yourself, but, but self maybe small
0: is <laughs> in that case yeah. yeah and like I said before it's like you see undesirable behaviors or undesirable traits in other people mm-hmm. and you don't assume that those are bad in them but it's just so easy to be such a, your your own worst critic mm-hmm. and call undesirable traits in yourself bad yes. and just assume that's what they are yes and assume that those are you Mm-hmm. instead of just parts of you yes. that's which is what IFS yes. kind of tries to break down. Precisely, yeah. Some of the research also looks at IFS for survivors of multiple childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Miller from your work with survivors um, you know of, of childhood trauma and multiple experiences can you talk about the importance of really confronting kind of triggers and symptoms that arise from trauma faced in years past especially during this vulnerable state like childhood and and not running away from it or repressing. What's the importance with confrontation?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think it comes back to what you're both talking about, is maybe if we step out of the terminology to confront Mm -hmm. and we step in to invite and to have that self-compassion, right, and to invite these triggers and to begin to build that awareness that they're there, where do you feel them, right? Recognizing them as your body's way of communicating you're not safe, you feel caught, you feel unlovable, something, it's a communication of some sort, so when we invite and we use self-compassion, we want to get close to, we want to create that safety in our own self, in our emotions, in whatever the environment is that we are in with another person, or in our thoughts, in our journaling, whatever that is. And Mm -hmm. so I think I would place it back into some of what we've been talking about is that we invite now and Mm -hmm. look at triggers as it's a communication based on something that we haven't been able to heal, we haven't known how to, and that there is this opportunity right, with self-compassion and compassion from others. Mm -hmm.
0: And it's also this idea that a lot of harm can come from repressing difficult feelings and difficult emotions and past traumas, and that in the moment you can cope with maybe not great behaviors that give you that immediate gratification that may quiet them at the time that you're feeling them but when repressing they will get louder and stronger if they're not invited like you mentioned
1: yeah like the child analogy dr Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and you know louder and then the emotions are kicking in and in that moment all they needed was to be seen to be heard mm-hmm. and maybe some small you know resolution of some sort but the biggest piece is that your attention goes back into their world mm-hmm. to receive them right mm. something
0: that i'm really curious about dr Grabler, that maybe you can answer for me is if people can actually do a form of IFS maybe on themselves, is there a way that they can perform like a variation of mindfulness practice mm-hmm. um, without needing that therapist to facilitate that? Um, that, that safe, comfortable space that they could almost fit into kind of mindfulness practice in any way. A hundred
2: percent. Yes. And, um, you know, in fact, even just reading Richard Schwartz's book, um, No Bad Parts, uh, he explains it really well. And he's got some beautiful kind of self-guided exercises in there. there's also an abundance of online things. If, mm-hmm. if you're someone who sort of struggles to to sit just with your own thoughts, a, as I do, um, Richard Schwartz has recorded like a 13-minute um, inviting a part to speak meditation that people can just listen to there. Mm. But to simplify it as 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 much as I can, it's we we call it to kind of go inside, to drop inside, as in turn one's focus and attention to an internal space rather than all the stimuli around us. So in that way, it's almost a a little bit of a mindfulness practice. So let's look inside what's what's coming up right now. Mm. And in that you can start with an intention of, okay, I want to work on or get to know my critic, I want to work on or get to know my anxiety. Or you can just go, all right, who's showing up, who needs my attention? And quite quickly, a thought will come to you. I'm worried about this. What about that? I'm planning this. Okay, so that part of me that's worried about that particular situation. I'm going to focus on you. Where am I feeling something in my body? Recognizing that, seeing if an image or some kind of quality is coming up to, to just externalize and flesh out this part a little bit and let it know that that you're there and that you're there to get to know it. And you have no agenda other than that. And that's just a very very simple first couple of steps it's nice to have a therapist there to guide you and also because as i said we've become we can become very estranged from that self right our parts have been leading the way sometimes for decades so they don't really trust the self and they, they don't They don't really want to uncover Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that way, particularly if one carries a lot of trauma, a therapist's um, self-energy and and their presence can help to kind of just keep us in connection with that self-compassion. But this is a process that one can do very easily by yourself. Um, And I have found it quite a nice way to meditate Mm -hmm. i'm someone who struggles to sit and kind of clear my mind but Mm -hmm. if i sit with okay this part has really been activated today and i I just create space to listen to what does it want to tell me what is it worried about and then we have a little bit of a back and forth conversation it's a very engaging way to meditate and also one that you come away from
0: definitely feeling relief Mm -hmm. It's like a very introspective process and, yeah. and passive. You really just kind of like wait for something to come up and yeah. then interact with it and yeah. and then show it some kindness and self-compassion yeah. and, yeah, just segregate the self and kind of try to pinpoint some parts to do with that as well. Exactly.
2: And and that's it, right? Sometimes all our part really just needed was for us to turn around mm. and go, oh, okay, you're here mm-hmm. and I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Because when the parts feel, feel seen and heard, they they almost automatically relax. Mm
0: -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to be trying that next time I meditate. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Grobler, for joining us today. I really, really appreciate you being here. And it was a lovely conversation. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Mm -hmm. I appreciate your time. Dr. Miller did have to step out, so I will assume her outro for today. She always says, be brave, be strong, and take care of yourself. Thank you for listening, everyone.